Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about season six, episode five, titled Negro Iatsul. Uh, oh, sorry. No, we'll get to that later. Black and blue. Hmm. Black and blue. Interesting. Yeah. It's a little teaser for all the people in the know. They're like, ah, I know what they're going to talk about. Uh, Alexis, what do you think of this episode? Even with the the Lalo drop at the end, this still felt like very much a setup episode for me. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, on the Insider podcast, the Villa Gang was briefly discussing walking the line of leaving viewers hungry, but not so hungry that they have a headache. And I mm. feel like this episode just barely pushed me into headache territory. I am so ready for something to happen. Yeah. You better deliver on these promises. And we had some people uh, write in to say like, oh, I actually like the episode, you know, a setup episode can still be interesting mm-hmm. and it still had the, you know, the the scam uh, was happening. I, I enjoy that part of it. But like, yes, two episodes in a row now have felt like, okay, they're getting to something, but we're not sure what. And right. we're sort of uh, like Howard in a old folks home. <laughs> trying to get these people to to hold on a little bit longer just tapping our foot waiting okay what are we gonna do what are we gonna do mm-hmm. uh i'm with you i was like not underwhelmed like i, I think it's still quality television it's just sure. like very slowly maneuvering pieces into place and there are some scenes that i think are just straight up unnecessary like how much oh. more paranoid can you get than digging a tunnel underground to your neighbor's house <laughs> and living there while having a body double live in your own house right do i really not know that gus is being paranoid do i need to see him like have a spidey sense freak out and go into the parking lot of los Poyos? no no i know what's going through his head so some, some of the scenes seem a little gratuitous from that angle hmm. just like we already know this mm-hmm. why are you showing us more of it but for the most part yeah i i I didn't dislike the episode. It's just I'm with you. I'm just tapping my foot. Like, when are we going to get to something that is exciting and interesting? And it sounds like it's close. And we only have, what, one more episode? Two, Two? more in this chunk. Okay. Yeah. And then another six coming up in right. like, later this year. Yeah. I so. am so ready for something to happen. Yeah. There, there were There were a couple of good connections that were made this episode for sure um howard finally cl- <laughs> clicking in his head that jimmy's yeah. onto him again after the second set of prostitutes <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if prostitute me once shame on me prostitute me twice yeah I'm coming after your ass <laughs> yeah yes so i i don't know well we'll see i'm, I'm preparing for a big one next week because yeah with what Kim says later, uh, when when they're lying oh in bed, God. she's just like, "You know why you've played into Howard's game, right? Because you know what's coming next." And I want to know big. what's coming. I yeah. want to know. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. You yeah. ready to get into the recap? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
The teaser for this episode is the construction of what appears to be a memorial. What would you call that? It's not a... It's not a plaque. It's like a... Yeah. It's a... It's a lucite block. hunk of resin, yeah. Yeah, a lucite block. Mm -hmm. With a protractor in it? Is that Mm -hmm. what it's called? I don't know that... I... So, whenever I think protractor, I always think the half moon shape thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or is that something else? Oh, God. This is a slide rule. I am not an slide engineer. Slide rule? A slide rule? I don't know. It looks sure. like it slides. <laughs> there are probably some <laughs> architects or engineers out there who can don't write correct. in and say what this no, is. No, it's fine. We don't need any more information. Do you know that this was shot in the same space as the boxing scene and at the same time? That's They look wild. so different. Yeah. There was One literally is... a professional lucite pourer doing this okay. on one side <laughs> while one of the cousins is directing the fight on the other side that's another little easter egg yeah that's cool i saw a photo of yeah. the, the group on set there and i noticed uh i think it's luis it's luis Mancata yeah was mm-hmm. one of the guys there and i'm like oh he must have done some of the work with him he did i saw yeah. howard hamlin's body double which <laughs> I'm not even sure why they needed a body can double I say, for this. Can I say that Saul, Saul Goodman as Hamlin looks a lot more like Hamlin than the body double did? Yeah, but you put a helmet on him, you don't really need him to look like him. It's fair. His arms fair. are toner. But... Just got to have that blonde hair poking out. Yeah. So I, I don't know how I feel about these. You know, you've heard me talk about cold <laughs> opens that aren't super relevant. I think this one is, though. This one is important at the very end with Lalo um, and connecting the dots between him and Gus and the super lab and everything like Mm -hmm. that. So we'll talk about that more when we get there. So I didn't have too much of a problem with this one. Yeah. And it felt sort of like a cook, right? From Breaking Bad. It did. It had definitely that element to it. Well, Jesse just like in the super lab pouring stuff Mm -hmm. and and heating stuff and scrubbing down vats and all that. (laughs) And yeah. And by the, by the end of it, I was like, okay, that, that was at least pretty relevant thematically and visually yeah it was and less less poetic and more practical yeah definitely totally. uh before we move on i want to talk about the laser etching i guess is what you would call it here mm-hmm. uh in lieb dein u jungs 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 i don't know how you say it look i'm not german <laughs> you want to try and take this one away <laughs> <laughs> show it to me no that's fine uh the, what that means is with love your boys hmm and so this was obviously made, I think posthumously, most likely made by, you know, Kai and all those guys who were working with him and sent to him. Um, and there's a sticker on the side that says Volkers, which is the company, I guess, that made it, mm-hmm. um, which will become important later. That but will. just know a link. that means with love, your boys. With love. That makes more sense. I, I saw Liebe and I thought life for some reason, but with love, your boys. Oh, yeah. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. So we have the show theme, and then the episode starts with Kim laying awake in bed. She is worried about Lalo. A worry that she's not telling anybody else about. (laughs) Yeah, stacking chairs against the door and all sorts of stuff. I'm more worried about how much light is coming in through these windows. (laughs) Like, I know this is movie magic (laughs) stuff, and you need to, like, see the image on screen, but Mm -hmm. holy cow, these lights outside are just... Full daylight, as best I can tell. It's a very safe parking lot. Very (laughs) safe. So safe. It's crazy. Um, 
also when Kim gets out of bed and, you know, presses a chair against the doorknob and Jimmy gets up and sees it all. And he asks her like, Oh, you can't sleep either. And she's like, yeah, I'm awake. I figured I'd get a jump on work, which is not really possible in Kim's state. This, this tells you a little bit about where Kim's at, I think, because like she can't sleep. And when she's not sleeping, she's working mm-hmm. um, or scheming with Jimmy that there's just like, a, a lot like when she was trying to do the Gatwood Oil and mm, Mesa mm-hmm. Verde cases at the same time. She's just running herself ragged. I feel like she's doing the same here because you can't get a jump on public defender cases. There are so many of them in the system. She could say, oh, I just wanted to get a jump on work for the next hundred years and never get through them all. So, right. like, she's, I, I don't know, she's pushing herself pretty hard. And I, like I don't know if that's stress response yeah. for her where she gets stressed out and then wants to take on more because it's some kind of like out of sick cycle where she perversely is comforted by the by just working and the more work she can do the better she feels temporarily. Well, that's the thing whenever you're doing the work that you've been assigned one way or another you really feel like I am doing the right thing in this moment. Yeah. And so everything's okay. Everything else is fine because I yeah. am in this moment doing exactly the right thing. It's a distraction from the things you know you're not doing right. Yeah. That's how I feel every time I do jewelry. I'm like, yes, I'm doing the right thing <laughs> right this moment. None of the other moments, but right this moment. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the scene, uh, Kim once again has chosen not to say anything to Jimmy mm-hmm. about Lalo. I hope that's not going to bite her in the ass immediately <laughs> the next episode yeah i feel like what mike told her about like you being made of certain stuff has really sunk in um like when she goes and she takes the chair off the door it's mm-hmm. like uh uh her saying i've decided to be strong for jimmy you know because J- jimmy's worried too he says yeah. i'm glad i'm not the only one uh and yeah, then she takes it because she, she just put it on there, right? Mm-hmm. And if Jimmy didn't come out, she would have left it on there. For sure. But And it's not that he noticed it because she didn't freak out that he noticed. It's just, yeah, I think she is saying here with her body language and her actions, I'm, I'm going to try and be strong for both of us, which is also rough <laughs> because she's taken on a lot. She is taking on a lot. It's It's noble. It's also... Uh, dishonest in a relationship, but also I get it. Yeah. So for the next scene, we are going to cut to Gus at his Los Poyos office once again, finally, where he can't sit still. And his spidey sense goes off, and he goes <laughs> to the parking lot. And nothing's out there. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other most important character in this scene is L- Lyle. Lyle. Lyle's back. He's still uh, hanging in there at the chicken joint. Do you think he's going to make it out? No no one talks about whether or not Lyle's going to make it out of this show alive. Did we ever see Lyle in Breaking Bad? I don't think so. I think he's mm. a whole new creation for Better Call Saul. Hmm. Well, I will say there is a pretty high turnover in fast food, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Except for Lyle. He's been there the whole time. It's fair. I don't know. Maybe Lyle beefs it. Maybe. He gets beefed. I'm I'm more interested in whether he'll make it out than whether Gus will because we know Gus's fate. Oh well, yeah, of course, naturally. Oh, speaking of Gus, he's looking he's looking older, isn't he? <laughs> I like I don't want to I don't want to disparage Giancarlo. We all get there, hopefully, if we're lucky. But 
boy, I bet you go back to <laughs> season three of Breaking Bad when we mm-hmm. first meet Gus and you look at him compared to the Gus of now. There's no way that image holds up. No way. He definitely seems to be a little bit more more upright, less puffy in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Bless him. Yeah. But that is the cruel the cruel forward march of time. And we've seen his body armor that he's wearing because you could chalk <laughs> it up too. to Kevlar vest or something, but body armor he's wearing is very thin. <laughs> very thin. And he is not. <laughs> it's true. Too many yeah. spice curls. <laughs> they are the specialty. Delicious spice curls. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot more to say about that one. Yeah. Let's move on. Next, we are going to join Cliff, Howard, and Aaron at a meeting with the Sandpiper residents, where they're trying to convince everyone to hold out. And afterward, Cliff confronts Howard, finally. Mm, yeah. Juicy. I was waiting for this moment. This is yeah. kind of exciting. Uh, and I love how it's played. I, I think, like, showing Howard being good at his job right before you have Cliff confront him mm-hmm. over the things he's seen is smart. Um, and I, I think Cliff notices that he's pretty good at what he's doing, right? There are a lot of expressions that cross his face as he is listening to this impassioned speech mm-hmm. that Howard gives to the residents, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but also Howard's tapping his foot like a maniac. Like yeah. <laughs> Cliff notices that. Which we know it's not drugs. So what is going on with Howard? What's on his mind? Does he, in the back of his mind, is he thinking, oh, Jimmy's out there doing something? Or is he worried about some other case or something we're just not privy to? Could just be watching Aaron Brill and thinking, oh, wow, you sound like you're delivering some copy right now. This is not inspiring. Could be. Could be. Or he's got like somewhere to go or he's got to go to the bathroom. Who knows? (laughs) He's got a tinkle. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, during the while Cliff is confronting him, he brings up his son once again. Yep. He's like, this is the same stuff my son used to always spout at me. So, so interesting that they brought in that angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives Cliff a, a good reason to be on high alert, mm-hmm. I guess. I just love the way this <laughs> half of the scene starts with, like, Howard, I threw a woman out of my car yes. in the middle of the street. Yeah, he he is rightfully incredulous because if you know that you haven't done something so crazy, you right. were, how are you going to take that? You're just going to stare at them blankly and say, so, so this, this is what I did? And that's the genius of kim and jimmy's plan is like you can't refute it right because like he howard knows that he didn't do it cliff knows what he saw yeah like i saw your car with your vanity plate exactly on it they're both completely certain but their actions kim kim and jimmy's actions have thrown doubt on the whole situation and that is their whole thing oh yeah just to throw doubt and then he cancels his whole week which i find hilarious on a on a dime, on a whim. Mm-hmm. Can you even do that it's as a lawyer? It's good to be the boss. I guess so. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, I love the way the scene ends, too. It's got a close-up shot of his namaste license plate as he backs up. <laughs> and, and, and namaste is like, it doesn't quite mean peace, but it's like a greeting that's that's uh, showing deference to somebody else or whatever. It's, it's meant to show respect, something mm-hmm. like that. And he's about to go to war, right? Like backing that right up into the camera and showing like ironically namaste is 
very good, I thought. Yeah, that's a good, um, whatever you call it, whenever two unsimilar things come together. Juxtaposition. Juxtaposition, yes. I did the thing <laughs> with my hands that was like, yeah, yeah. you know me so well. <laughs> good job. You're ready to, are we ready to meet Francesca? Yes, please. All right, Francesca's back. Mm -hmm. Next, we follow Francesca for her first day of work at Jamie's new office, where she quickly tries to nope out. Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully. She, gets, she tries to nope. She gets roped. <laughs> With money. Yep. Always. Yeah, that's how it starts. Yep. Greedy. Greedy Francesca, <laughs> which they're a match made in heaven. I guess so, yeah. I don't know if this is necessarily better than working at the DMV, but I guess if it pays better, I, yeah, that's all that matters. This office, uh, <laughs> I use that term as loosely as possible. This dank toilet box. <laughs> right? It's, yeah, it's got the toilet, and I understand, okay, that's just garbaggio. Garbaggio. Says. But where's the actual toilet? Like, this place has an, a real toilet I can use, right? It should be her first question. Because I see it, and it's an empty box. Where do you expect me to go to the bathroom? She's going to have to go to the Chinese restaurant next door, probably. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to hate them. They are going to hate them. Well, he's coming in, never buying anything, stinking up the bathroom. <laughs> stinking up the joint, probably doing coke off of the counter or whatever. <laughs> probably. <laughs> dirty scumbags. The the one thing that, aside from, you know, money that she's able to get from this exchange is a say in the decorating. <sighs> Good. I don't know if I believe that. Okay, okay. There are two possibilities here, right? That she does get a say in the decorating and that she's responsible for this Halls of Justice motif. Unlikely. As much as, like, Kim is. Deeply unlikely. Or Saul just eventually, you know, overrules her. I don't remember what her uh, reception area looked like. I don't either. That's the problem. Yeah. So maybe she had to say in that part yeah and i remember i do specifically remember walt walking into saul's office like not not the lobby area but his office and just like rolling his eyes like <laughs> can't believe what he's seeing <laughs> so it must just be yeah the the lobby is pretty normal but the office okay so she didn't totally give in although i could see her getting overruled a lot because she's very bitter in breaking bad is the other she thing she is very bitter that's true like she's not this francesca mm -hmm. um the light has gone from her eyes at that point. Yeah, and I'm sure dealing with, you know, the clientele that Saul's going to have going forward as opposed to um, the elder law stuff she did before is probably yeah. part of that. The folksy phone calls. Right. The cr Cracker talking about Barrel. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> the weather, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, she's got a long way to go on her journey. There's one thing that this scene gave us that I'm very appreciative of, and it is that beautiful Colonel Sanders line mm, that I yeah. mentioned in an earlier episode. Well, Colonel Sanders is to chicken, Saul Goodman is to the law. Yes, perfect. I love it. Mm -hmm. And next we are with Kim as she meets with her former paralegal Viola, who seems happy to see her and gasses her up. Yeah. What was this meeting about? Is she trying to get her back? She was said she was just apologizing. I guess it could be just She that. did, but she was brainstorming, spitballing. I, I think it was with Jimmy before in a previous episode, and she was kind of listing like all of her favorite people from all the various offices that she's worked in uh, during the span of Better Call Saul. 
And I think this is her way of like feeling Viola out. She's beginning to build her pro bono team. Okay. Here's a more sinister option. Oh. She's trying to rope Viola into the Howard scam. Hmm. Uh, probably unknowingly. Hmm. Like, I don't think she would intentionally join up with that, but mm-hmm. yeah, maybe she's trying to bring her in. There's some angle they need Schweikert and Coakley member for. That's fair. That is a that is a more sinister reading of the situation. <laughs> I don't know, but, but you're right. At some point, she does have to start building out her legal team if we believe that she actually wants to do the pro bono stuff, and I think she does. Mm-hmm. She definitely does. That's like her... That that is her end that justifies all these dirty means yeah. at this point. So you're probably right, that's what she's doing. But who knows with these two? All I know is that Veal is friggin' adorable. Mm-hmm. I can watch her a lot. She's being inspired by Kim. I mean that's you know, that's one good side effect, right? Mm-hmm. Even if I don't know, because you'd almost have to have Kim get out with her reputation intact for that to continue to inspire people. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll just feel betrayed. Yep. We're going to see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm very curious. So after this scene... Oh, yeah. Here we go. After this scene, we're with Jimmy at a boxing gym to meet with a client who turns out to be Howard. He says he wants Mm -hmm. to punch it out. Mr. Ward. Mr. Mr. H.O. Ward. Ward. (laughs) Love it. That was clever. Yeah, I did enjoy this. Uh, quite a bit. The, the fighting was pretty pathetic, but some of those blows they made them really land. They did, but nobody was defending. It was it was a hilarious, ridiculous fight. It, um, it was pretty ridiculous. Jimmy is like being a goof at the beginning of it because obviously yeah. none of this means shit all to him. He doesn't care. This isn't going to change his mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Howard's right. It didn't change anything, but. It might have just been for Howard to feel better, honestly. That's what I was thinking. By by the end of the second watch, I was like, you know, maybe he just wanted to, maybe he just wanted to deck his halls. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really look like Howard had been training forever, so it's not like he, this was premeditated, like, oh, I'm so good at boxing. Yeah. I'm really going to whip his ass. It was more like... One of these people works out and the other one doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. Canonically. Pretty much. Uh, In real life, they both work out quite a bit, but... Uh Uh-huh. In, in the universe and in situ I don't think we have any reason to think that Jimmy has been working out in any way no just his mouth just Definitely his mouth not. I mean honestly in scenes like this with uh, Bob Odenkirk's uh, heart scare last year mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm more thinking about like oh man <laughs> don't don't make this guy do too much strenuous activity <laughs> well, he did I know do. he's recovered and everything he did but... Mr. Nobody too uh huh yeah or Nobody I think Mr. it's just nobody. nobody. Okay. Yeah, he did that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I watch these scenes like a little bit <laughs> through my fingers because I don't want to see anything bad happen to Bob Odenkirk. It's fair. I guess I didn't associate boxing with initiating a heart attack, but I guess that... Oh, just increased things. heart rate in general. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Stress in your heart. I just worry. I just worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you shouldn't be acting then. That seems stressful. Yeah. Can be. Having a camera on you? Ugh, barf. I came up with a a hilarious pun. Lay it on me. For Howard. Mm -hmm. At the end of this, he's decided no more Mr. Namaste. (laughs) Okay, it was bad. (laughs) Sorry. 
I I will need that in the form of a song, please. Nope. All right, moving on. (laughs) No, I do have one other thing. It's maybe more interesting and relevant here. Um, So so when he's, you know, talking to Jimmy, trying to goad him into, like, fighting him, he's talking about, like, what Jimmy's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you're behind all this, and this is, you were sloppy, it's not like you, and this is, like, psychology 101, he says, you're trying to get caught. Mm Mm-hmm. How accurate do you think that is? Incredibly accurate. Think so? I mean, he used strippers twice. Yeah. As we mentioned before, it's and he had to know that Cliff was going to confront Howard mm-hmm. and Howard is going to be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, I think it was super risky like I talked about a few episodes ago to go mm-hmm. to the country club and get his face seen there. That's why like, it feels like it is intentional. Yeah. 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 But to to what end? I don't freaking know. Don't know. I don't know. It could just be, you know, one of those things where he feels like he deserves to be punished. Maybe. For stuff he's doing. Or maybe they're hoping for some counter defamation thing. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. We know that Howard has a PI watching Jimmy. Yes. Now he does. Not as intimidating of a bald man as Mike is, but as far as private eyes go. Uh, he looks like Christopher Kimball from Milk Street. Took the bow tie off of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I does not ring intimidation bells in my mind. Does not. It sounds like he's about to tell me a better way to cook my eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, my the, the thing about this show, so I so often see in comedies, which this show is not, not a comedy, um, I so often see private eyes being portrayed as incompetent mm-hmm. and buffoons and... I think about like half the private eyes I've seen, uh, especially in comedies are that way. This show never does that. This show, whenever they have a PI or a cop or something on, they're always competent. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always like able to do their jobs and, and never like easily fooled. Yeah. Which I think is a strength for this show. So I'm actually taking this guy seriously as opposed oh, to too. some other comedy where I would just be like, well, I can't wait to see how Jimmy bamboozles this guy. Right. No, I I think this is serious, and I think they better watch themselves moving yeah. forward as if they weren't already. You think he'll notice that someone's following him? I could see I could see Jimmy noticing that someone is following him, just like Kim did, right? Yeah. Um, and thinking, oh, it's Lalo's guy. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like, I don't know what that spurs in Jimmy, but I could also see this PI figuring out more about Jimmy's life than... Howard expected him to like mm-hmm. oh he is working with Lalo and here's the trouble he's in yeah. and all that I did see I saw a really interesting theory on Twitter which was Gus's guys will know that Jimmy and Kim are being followed by another set of guys mm, Yeah, and how is that going to work that's yeah. what I want to know. How's that going to... Are they going to be cool? <laughs> I... Well, I don't know. So, Mike will probably check them out, right? Yeah. Check out Howard's guys and mm-hmm. probably realize, oh, this is a PI. I I don't know. If Mike is doing his job, it shouldn't escalate. But we'll see. But that's the thing. Like you were saying, what if that PI discovers the a little bit more? Yeah. yeah, a little bit more. More of the cartel stuff. Right. I don't know how good he is, yeah. but if he investigates the people following Kim, that's exactly. going to lead to Gus, perhaps. Right. Um, and Gus is paranoid as hell right now. Yeah. Ooh. 
Who knows? Very worried for several groups of people. After after this beautiful boxing match, we are back with Kim smoking on the balcony as Jimmy gets home with a brand new shiner. Mm-hmm. And then she starts sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I don't know what's with toilets this episode, but there's thrones. two of them. They're all thrones. Thrones, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the golden toilet. It's a whole season of toilets. <laughs> this show's really gone down the toilet, let me tell you. It's a Game of Thrones. <laughs> It's a show of thrones. Another show that went down the toilet. Oh. <laughs> 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 hey. More hey. literally. <laughs> yeah. Now relitigate. <laughs> Ugh, no thanks. Uh, this is also, oh, speaking of Kim sitting on the toilets, where she drops that iconic, I'll fight for you line. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes its way into all of his advertising in the future. Oh, yeah. She's shaping Saul Goodman. She really uh, Like is. I said, almost as much, if not more, than Jimmy is at this point. Totally. Uh, and we get a glimpse of, like, the next stage of their plan, right? So Kim's got this magazine or this paper or something mm-hmm. announcing that three judges are being given a, a prestigious award. Um, one of them is Rand Casimiro. I think is how you'd say that, a retired U.S. district judge. And when Jimmy sees him, and Kim says, I found a photo of him, Jimmy sees him and he's like, okay, good, he's got a mustache, it's a lot less face to worry about, which to me says he's doing another... Dress Howard, up. Yeah, doing Howard face. This time he's going to do judge <laughs> face and look like this guy. I think you might be right. Boy, that's even more dangerous. I don't... I, to what end? To what end? Yeah. <laughs> That's my yes. biggest question. Like, I believe he can pull it off, but to what end? I can't wait to see it. Yeah. How is this going to intersect with Howard? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know, but I desperately want to know. I can't fucking wait. And I think it's going to be big, right? This is the line I talked about where they're mm-hmm. laying in bed and she says, you know, you fell into Howard's game here, played his game because you know what's coming next. Right. And that to me says something big, something egregious the thing that i was hoping they would do which is go too far yeah with something um could be next episode we'll see could be i i swan to john if the next episode is another setup episode I could eat my pillow and cry <laughs> i don't think it will be <laughs> Ugh. okay next we are at gus's a mini suburban compound where we find out mike's been taking the back way in <laughs> yeah. gus is acting more ocd than usual and decides to take everyone on a field trip to the super lab hole right um we get a garage door camera which is pretty cool that this is, is cool. a breaking bad mm-hmm. uh better call Saul kind of staple yeah it's just cameras in weird places yeah mm-hmm. um yeah mike's hiding in there and then Gus, he goes inside and Gus is scrubbing away at the bathroom. With a toothbrush. If he was scrubbing the, the toilet, I would have really said something was up, but <laughs> he's not. Uh, it's just the grout in the bathtub. He, this is what he does, right? Just like the Friar incident with Lyle where Lyle cleaned it like four times mm-hmm. and, and you know, put his blood, sweat, and tears into it. And Gus comes up and is like, it's adequate. Go home. And then continue scrubbing it. Yes. No, definitely. It seems like his OCD gets way worse when he's stressed out. Absolutely. Which is fairly accurate from what I've read. And Mike's trying to calm him down. He's like, okay, it's a waiting game. Sooner or later, Lalo has to end up right here. Mm -hmm. And then we've got this covered. But I don't know that that's true, especially with what we've seen, what we now know of Lalo's plan. Yeah. And I think we know 
pretty much all of it at this point. Um, they've, they've kind of gave away that game. We'll talk about it there. But I think if he goes over Gus's head to Juan Bolsa, to even Don Eladio, mm-hmm. he could both get permission and probably help to take out Gus. I think Gus would be just like immediately cut off. Of course, that all doesn't happen or doesn't matter in Breaking Bad. We know where we right. pick up there. But like, I, I'm not sure Mike has all the angles. Just like we didn't know where the hell Lala was. Mm-hmm. Never like would have guessed. Doesn't. Never would have guessed where he ends up. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it makes sense now in retrospect. Yeah, totally. That's what I love about this yeah. show. And, and, and Breaking Bad did this all the time too. Mm-hmm. Is It's hiding in plain sight. It's super yeah. obvious if you just can get your brain onto that path, mm-hmm. it, it, it follows. Yeah. It, there, there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Absolutely. That's not the metaphor I want, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Those dots connect. Yeah. So it really does seem like, especially with, so when Gus is in the super lab hole, he's walking paces across the the length of the hole, like trying to remember how far it is. He is hiding his tiny worthless ankle gun uh-huh. in the treads of the excavator. Excavator. God. I think they're setting up a final confrontation here, definitely, between Gus and Lalo in the yeah. in the super lab hole. That's my guess. And this is exactly where the path that Lalo's following, is those breadcrumbs, is going to lead yeah. to this hole. Um, and if Lalo decides to go at Gus himself, then which he probably will because... It's very Lalo. He's yeah. that kind of guy. Yep. Um, yeah, it'll lead here. I, I get the feeling that Gus, what Gus is doing is... He's also, if you notice, fiddling with the power, the power cable, mm-hmm. and a connection there. Yeah, I think what he's doing is, you know, seeing what it takes to turn those lights off. Like, could he just pull this thing, stand up, and in pitch black walk over to his gun? Yeah, and then he would know exactly where that thing is. So if the guy were, if whoever came after him, probably Lalo, were to turn the lights back on somehow. Mm-hmm he would have the drop on him, right? Because he'd be in a different place with a weapon, right. knowing pretty much where that person would be. Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah, we're definitely setting up a dark subterranean kerfuffle. Yeah. Ugh. And, and I expect it won't go down exactly like you th- like they're setting it up to go down. It shouldn't, if it's any good. Yeah. Yeah. No, there'll be a complication. I can't wait. can't wait to see what it is. I have decided... I don't know what it is. Every time I see this friggin' super lab hole, my desire to watch Breaking Bad again just increases. <laughs> yeah. And I've decided officially between the breaks in this season, I am going nice. to watch Breaking Bad again. It's going to happen. I've seen it like three or four times now. So <laughs> I won't I'll join you, you for some of it, but okay. I have other TV to watch. Ozymandias, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, all, the, all, all the good episodes. I mean, they're all good. They're all good is the problem. Maybe yeah. the first half of the first season. Crawl the first Space. Episode, I'll definitely join you for Crawl awesome. Space. Skip a few episodes and then, yeah. Crawl Space, oh yeah, for sure. It's like maybe my favorite episode, or at least favorite moment of the series, the end of that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is about the Super Lab is I sort of expected it to be built and maybe Gail running it uh, by the end of the series, but it mm-hmm. is not even close and work isn't progressing at all. Like his guys no. are gone. Yeah. Nothing's happening on it. So I don't think in the next nine episodes or eight episodes, we're going to get to the, the completion of the super lab. 
so here is my here's my like my intuition about the pacing of this final season i think that the lalo stuff is going to be wrapped up before the break and i think the rest is going to be the fall of jimmy and kim and howard yeah. collectively probably <laughs> things gonna jump forward at all because breaking bad mm, did that maybe not i don't not. know that it needs to though is the thing yeah, I don't think so either. It doesn't need to. Um, it's going to jump forward probably when we see Gene because that's unresolved, oh, right? Yeah, of that has to be resolved. Uh-huh. And we left him in a very specific place where he yeah. has decided to take action. Yeah, he's doing what Howard did this episode. So I'll take care of it myself. Click. Maybe he's going to try and box somebody. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> he's going to try to box cutter somebody. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. My prediction for the end of this series, uh, or the end of Lalo specifically, I think Lalo's going to be buried underneath the super lab. I think he's going to kill Lalo in the super lab and bury his body and then just concrete that thing in. And we'll know the entire time now, watching Breaking Bad, that Lalo's body is under that lab the whole time. Bones. Lalo's bones. Yeah. Oh, grim. That's metal. It's metal sure AF. Is. I like it. <laughs> I think you. Mm, yeah, we'll see. I think you might be right. I just saw another show, another <laughs> Breaking Bad like do that. Ozark did that pretty recently. Oh yeah. And yeah, buried somebody in a in a place. I won't give a any spoilers. Significant place, yeah. Yeah, okay. it was it was very cool. Grim. For the final sequence of this episode, Lalo. Yep. Finally, <laughs> we find ourselves in Germany of all places, where Lalo has contrived to meet Ziegler's widow, Margareta. You know, Germany, south of the border, <laughs> where it's, we all expected him to go. I mean, everywhere south of somewhere, right? It's true. It, <laughs> this was wild. I did not see this coming at I didn't all. either, and then I felt like a fool for not seeing yep. it coming, because obviously this is the only other lead he has. Yeah. Even if he the, doesn't the know one. that Nacho's dead. It yeah, doesn't it matter. doesn't matter. He's not, yeah. he's not concerned about Nacho at this yeah. point. Uh, he's concerned about Gus. And yes, mm-hmm. this is the thing that leads him back to Gus, and... Crucially, I think the thing that gives him permission to go after Gus, because he's still on that Don Eladio bolsa leash, mm-hmm. even though there was an attempt on his life, they can't prove that it was Gus. Right. Um, so they're probably not going to give the okay to kill off their number one moneymaker. At least not for that. But if they learn that he was doing shit under their noses the whole exactly. time. Exactly. That he's is... planning to cut them yep. out, they will kill him in a second. Oh, yes. So... Very smart on his part. It just part. totally makes sense. And I didn't see it coming. I didn't see anybody else mention it. Nobody mm-hmm. wrote in and said, hey, I think this was going to happen. Yeah. I saw a couple people after the fact claiming it on like r slash better call Saul. Like, Easy oh, I knew this and posting fact, Twitter yeah. shots of, of their tweets and stuff. But like, I didn't see it being talked about in a serious way. Yeah. Which is shocking because it's so obvious in retrospect. And right. Re- it really is. It's literally, I, I repeat myself, the only other lead he mm-hmm. had. And he's Lalo. Why would he not just get on a plane and go to Germany? Yeah. A mad lad. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It is wild. What's also wild is him trying to Lothario his way into getting information from Margarita. What is that reference? I don't know it. Lothario? Oh, just like... Being very romantic, oh, trying to trying to okay. woo his way into some information. Yes, yeah. if she had invited him in, I don't know that he would have turned her down. 
Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> and he's very good at it. He's very charming. Mm-hmm. He's very uh, charming. Very yes. good looking. It's, Obviously, Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a little surprised because I don't feel like much time has passed and she seems like she's just moved on, man. Maybe Germans are built different. I don't know. Maybe when you're that age. Don't have time to waste. It feels different. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she definitely hasn't moved on, right? She talks about him and she's yeah, like. Yeah, she's still very much hesitant. She doesn't press the issue. She's yeah. like, yeah, maybe another life, that kind of thing. Uh, I like how Lalo, he's so smooth and not just because he's charismatic and charming, but like the way he starts a conversation here because he mm-hmm. walks up and starts talking about this place that is that he knows she would know mm-hmm. because that's where she was going to meet Werner for their hot springs getaway when he was, you know, when he escaped Gus's uh, operation so he's just dropping these hints and like enticing her to start the conversation with him, which you can see that she's that kind of person too, right? The scene starts off with her eavesdropping on (laughs) these two kids playing a video game, like a who wants to be a millionaire arcade game clone. Uh, And so she's already like listening to other people's conversations and butting into them a little bit. Very friendly, very personable, which makes sense because Ziegler was Werner was very much like that. Oh yeah, totally. Every time he went to a bar, he ended up chatting up the whole place. Yes. For better or worse, yeah. So so I, I saw some people also wonder why um, he, or, or how he knew this information, how he knew to go to Marguerite. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, he got her information back in season four, I think, when he got the travel wire stuff. Yeah. And he burnt down that place. Um, and then he called Werner at the hot springs that they were going to meet at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of, he knew what city they were planning on going to and like what they were going to do with the hot springs and all that stuff. So, and he had, he had her name. So yeah, it's not like he couldn't have. And an address from where the, the money uh, order came from or the, right. the wire came from. Yeah. He had literally everything he needed. Yep. Totally. It tracks. We're going to talk about Werner's Viery Wiener. Uh, yeah, it's it's a a wire haired wiener dog, which I'm officially going to call a Werner dog. Werner, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this thing is hideous. <laughs> I, it's already a gross you shape. You and your hatred of wiry haired dogs. Wire Why? Why? They're the worst. They look like little ragamuffins. Yeah, they're, they're great. so raggedy. How does that not just like immediately get your sympathy juices flowing? I I don't know. Maybe I don't have a sympathetic heart, but <laughs> I do have aesthetic tastes and they're not aligned <laughs> with the wired haired animal. I thought Little Bear was very cute. Sure. Sure. But I love all animals. I, I love when they walk up to the house and she invites him in and you can hear the dog barking in the background and you can see Lalo noting that there's a dog. Even before mm-hmm. she says, like, that's Little Bear, he, like... Here's the barking and looks up at it like very subtly. It's mm. it's a super subtle thing that that uh, Tony Tony Dalton, Dalton. is doing, uh, and it's great. I didn't even notice that. Good catch. I also love um, how he waits all night outside <laughs> for her <Yeah>. to <laughs> go inside, go to bed, sleep all night, wake up in the morning. I don't know how late they're out, 
So maybe it's like 4 a.m. or something and he only has to wait a few hours. But he's out there all night. And I just love like, I wish my life was like that. Where I could, <laughs> I had a mission. I could focus on the one thing uh-huh. and do it to the exclusion of everything else. And that didn't matter. That wouldn't like fuck up everything in my life. <laughs> but that's just not the life I live. It must be such a such a wonderful, easy life to live Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's very freeing to have a vendetta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a vendetta and... and uh, you a know, manifesto. nothing to go back to, nothing back really to. like, yeah. yeah. No money concerns. Sure. It's a very short period of time where you can enjoy that, I imagine. True. Seems nice, though. Uh, <laughs> and then there's, <laughs> there's the thing. <laughs> hey, life is complicated. Most people's lives are more complicated than this, and I admire the simplicity of his life. Fair. Uh, he, he, and I know he's a drug dealer. His life is not simple, but in this instance, it was. Uh, so th- here's the thing. Here's the uh, lucite or mm-hmm. resin piece that's engraved with your with love, your boys. Um, so you might wonder, like, how he knows this is significant in any way. There's another very subtle thing they do in the episode. Earlier on that night, they were talking about like his men, right, mm-hmm. and she says um essentially Dinah Dinah Jung's whatever however you say it except she uses instead of uh your boys she says like German for his boys mm-hmm. and he hears that that word Jung's or Jung's I don't fucking know <laughs> and, and he is able to recognize that as the same word that she was using when she talked about his boys mm-hmm. so he knows it's connected to them gotcha. and so when he looks at it he sees like the logo on the bottom from the company that made it mm-hmm. and that's got to be where he's going next right to find out who made who commissioned this thing Every, everyone on the insider podcast basically said so yes yeah that is it's the that only is thing the that case. makes sense yeah this it's, is the this place Volkers yep or Wolkers I, <laughs> if you're German if it starts with a W does it start with a W or a V, v? then I have no idea yeah, it's probably Walker's. Anyway, so yeah, that's the connection. And that's where he's going next, I assume. Uh, he manages to get out because he's Lalo. So he just <laughs> right. so he just hops out of a second floor window yep. at, like it's nothing. And Margarita closes it. And that's the end of the episode. It's not even like a second floor window that's like a normal window. It's one of those up high windows. Yeah, so it's like a half window. It's like in window. a basement or something, right. except, you know, it opens. Uh, yeah, this is a half window that's very high, so he's got to climb up. It's got to shimmy out. out of that thing. Yeah, he's a madman. He is a madman. His hair's looking good in this episode, too. Sure. Very different. Yeah, it's longer. Um, Let's talk about Black and Blue for a second. Let's do it. The name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Negro Yitzul at the yes, beginning of this episode. That sounds very familiar Which to me. also means Black and Blue. Yes. Uh, that is the episode. Sorry. Th- that is the name of an episode of Breaking Bad. I thought it was, yeah. Um, and you know they've said, "Hey, the return of Walt and Jesse is coming." It makes me wonder if it's coming next episode because Negro Yazul is the episode right before Better Call Saul. The mm. episode Better Call Saul, where we meet Saul Goodman for the first time. Wow! So this could be a reference to that being right before it. And then, you know, this is the episode right before Walt and Jesse come back into Better Call Saul. 
That would be pretty exciting. That would be a pretty good uh, half-season finale. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So next episode, maybe we get Walt and Jesse in there. We get a big uh, Howard event. And then th- they do that in Breaking Bad a lot, where the second-to-last episode is one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get kind of a, a lead-out into the, the next season right? Uh, with the finale episode. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking is maybe next week will be the Walt and Jesse week. I did watch the teaser for the next episode. I won't say anything about it because I know how you feel about the teaser. You're yelling <laughs> for me to turn <laughs> the episode off. off. Yeah. <laughs> so, just know, dear people, that I have seen it. Oh. I know a little bit of something, something. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. Ho, ho, ho. Well, I think that's it for the episode, unless you got more to say. I don't. I've said my piece. All right. Well, let's move on to feedback. Let's do it. If you'd like to send in some feedback, you can do so at bcs at baldmove.com. Thank you to everybody who did send in feedback. And again, we got a ton of it. So I apologize to anybody whose feedback I can't read because for time or content or whatever, I had to cut it for vulgarities. Most of it. Most of it. Yeah. You wouldn't believe the things our audience writes. Filthy. Uh, (laughs) All right. All right, let's start off uh, with some stuff from last week um, and a minor correction here from Marcus. Oh. says, I think you were using the term fridging incorrectly in your season six episode four recap episode. Fridging refers to using the death of a woman as a motivation for a man's actions. It sounded like you were using friggy, fridging R.E. Kim and Lalo to mean putting a character on ice, like taking a piece off the board when you were speculating if they were still around during Breaking Bad times. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. That That's certainly me. how I how I meant it in the wrong way. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe that since the since the birth of that term, uh-huh. the definition has expanded somewhat. Oh, sure. That happens all the time. But yes, the base definition involves death. Gotcha. Yeah, and I really didn't know. I'm, I will be upfront. I'm a little ignorant about that, but that's how I was using it. Uh, all right, Omar says, I just had a thought about how Kim's tragic ending might come. We've all seen speculating if she's alive or in the background of Breaking Bad. Now I'm thinking with the speech she gave Lalo last season and what Mike said in episode four of her being made of sterner stuff, she actually might be scoped out by Lalo when he gets back and he won't want to use Saul, but rather Kim because he perceives her as more competent as, as his lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would want to do it, but the pressure of the cartel would ultimately, or she wouldn't want to do it, but the pressure of the cartel would ultimately have her give in. This would give her the same reputation as Saul in episode four, where everyone is distancing themselves from him. And she isn't able to serve as the philanthropist pro bono lawyer who wants to help people. In a lot of ways, that's a more tragic ending for her character because her central character arc is her wanting to help people and the less privileged. Just a thought. I kind of like that. Yeah. Like if she were to be forced to be a friend of the cartel and her reputation was ruined from it, and now mm-hmm. she can't really do her pro bono work or set up her, you know, massive pro bono practice that she wants. And, you know, certainly the donations wouldn't come from like Cliff's friends and stuff right. if that got out. Yeah, that'd be pretty tragic for her. So where would that where would that put her though? During uh, the course of breaking bad. During breaking I don't know. Just yeah. off off the map somewhere. I who who knows? <laughs> like, In a trailer a, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It would be a tragic end for for Kim. It would be. I agree with that. It is an interesting angle. Uh, Paul 
writes in and says, Hey, during the scene where Kim and Mike meet in the diner, the song playing in the background was catching my interest. It's called Isle of Mystery by Terry Norton. I've, I've put the complete lyrics below if you don't want to, or if you did want to read them all. There are a few ominous lines, though. No fate is worse than mine, and I cried for you today a million miles away, for I'm living on the Isle of Misery. Most of the lyrics could read like a letter from Jimmy in Nebraska. Alternatively, it could read like a letter from Kim in prison, or if you want to get darker, the afterlife. Just put it out there for discussion. It has a very similar feel to Marty Robbins' El Paso used in Breaking Bad, uh, which was a song that basically encompassed all of Breaking Bad Mm -hmm. in its narrative. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, could be. I, I do know that like they choose their music pretty carefully most of the time. They do. Yeah. Whether it's for the feel, just to get the tone of the scene, or mm-hmm. whether it's for lyrical content and narrative uh, support, I guess. The song at the very beginning of this episode was in German. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, could be onto something there. Yeah. All right. Anders writes in, says, regarding... It looking as if Gus is living in his house or not. When listening to the Insider podcast, I'm pretty sure they mentioned the guy passing Gus down in the tunnel was supposed to be a body double living in Gus's house to make it look like he's there from the outside. This is like a Home Alone situation. <laughs> and he's got. I did you see know, a tweet to this effect before. Yeah. Of Michael Jordan. Uh, oh, definitely. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's dancing in the window. No. He's uh, got a fridge full of Michael's secret stuff. I did not notice that. So thank you for writing in and tell us, telling us that. Yeah. Uh, and apparently I missed that part of the Insider podcast last week. I must have too. I think I missed like the last 20 minutes of it. Oh, right. Yeah. All right. Guy writes in and says, on your last episode, you wondered about Lalo's status during Breaking Bad and concluded that he probably dies before then. I'm not sure about that. In Breaking Bad, Saul is under the impression that Lalo is alive and mistook Walt and Jesse mm-hmm. uh, for Lalo's guys when they kidnapped him. Mm-hmm. And that scene had me thinking that not only does Lalo live, but maybe Jimmy ends up helping the DA go after Lalo, and that's why Saul thinks Lalo's after him. Hmm. Could be that Gus encourages Jimmy to play ball with the DA, making Jimmy both a friend of the cartel and a rat. Hmm. Wow. Could be. Could be. I don't have a ton to add to that. Uh, no, it's an interesting but, theory, though. I and I think a lot of people assume the Lalo lives through this i think so yeah i think we're i'm certainly kind of in the minority thinking that he'll probably die but i don't know we'll see i don't know either i don't have any more information on this than you do other than again the callback of saul mentioning lalo right in the future yeah it's like the only thing yeah it's like the thread that we're holding on to All right, Seb writes in and says, you were talking in the last episode about how Gus's character has been affected by Better Call Saul compared to Breaking Bad. One thing that's always bothered me is the scene where he's talking to Hector about the Kwati (laughs) that was eating fruit from his tree, so he trapped and tortured it. I get that they were having that to be, uh, having that be to show even at a young age he was cool and calculating, but I feel it diminished Hector murdering his partner in Breaking Bad. Like, from Gus... From Gus's manner in that flashback when they first meet Eladio as the Chicken Brothers, he feels much more timid and less like the Gus we know. I felt that what happened that day changed him and poisoned him over the years. In his desperation to get revenge on Hector, etc., for killing the man he loved, he obviously had a somewhat shady past prior to that with what happened in Chile, but I didn't imagine six-year-old Gus with a little candy empire at school or anything like that. In Saul, we've generally seen 
less of him putting on the charm and his I don't believe fear to be a good motivator line rings a bit hollow after everything we've seen him do prior to Breaking Bad as well as I don't think he internalized that from Mike. I know there's also a lot of talk about how they could possibly have Walt and Jesse show up in Saul considering how much time has passed. Wouldn't really mind too much if the ages don't match perfectly like Breaking Bad takes place over two years and the actor actors age a lot. Everyone is older in Saul, but one way they could get around it is to have Brian Cranston in a flashback as his aging is less noticeable and have Aaron Paul show up separately in post El Camino Jesse or as post El Camino Jesse. So then his age isn't a factor. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do think you're probably right. They've done a little bit of a disservice to Gus overall. It just, mm-hmm. it just changes, um, some things. I'm not sure they all completely line up. Because I, I feel what you're putting down. But then again, I don't know. Gus is a Gus is a manipulator. Gus is able to put on uh, a plaster a smile on and do his job almost almost all the time. Like, I feel like even that's breaking down a little bit now. Where, yeah. you know, he is, his ears start ringing and his spidey sense goes off. The and mask he walks is in slipping the for line. sure. Yeah, I never felt like that was the case in in Breaking Bad until he started dealing with Walt at the very end. (laughs) Yeah, and he would drive probably anybody insane. But I think you're right. I think it's it's hard to do what they're doing to show a character for this long through six seasons of a show and not have him not have that change how you feel about him in the stuff that comes after. But I don't know. It's all character development, right? Everybody's yeah. complicated. We all have things that don't make sense together inside of us. Oh, totally. Beliefs that yeah. don't necessarily uh, line up together when you put them side mm-hmm. by side. Yeah, a lot of cognitive dissonance, a lot of... Um, it's like certain circumstances bring things out in people. Mm-hmm. And it might not always be... The, the circumstances might look identical on the surface, but not feel identical to that person. And so they right. react diff- differently. Um, yeah. Mind is a complicated thing. It is. That is very much an apologist argument. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> of course. That. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Shit's complicated. I'm. There are like little things that I'm willing to let slide yeah. when it comes to character development, as long as they don't completely alter the character. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what you have to say maybe in the second half of the season if yeah. you get through Breaking Bad mm-hmm. uh, between chunks because. Yeah, you'll get to see Gus as we knew him. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I want to see is I want that context again. Yeah. I want to have a better understanding of that. And hopefully, I'm going to bring it back into the show. And you guys are going to enjoy hearing it. Or not. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of seeing, Sai? See? I don't know. Name's S-I. I assume it's Sai. Yeah. Uh, Says, hey guys, a couple of thoughts on this week's episode. Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad before it has taken very few missteps, but two scenes this week are weighing heavy. Oh, boy. Mm. How would Lalo, who's on bail and presumably on a no-flight list, get to Germany? And with a gun? I'm hoping that will be covered. Uh, That's a good question. That's a real good question. I don't know how well known he is by the authorities I mean clearly the American authorities put it together Mm -hmm. that he's part of the cartel 
they know who Lala Salamanca is when they find out that he's not Guzman. He's also very much the kind of man who has like six different passports and different names also. So True. that part doesn't uh, mess me up too much. The The gun part, though, that is an interesting point. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that till just now. I, I mean, guns are, are in Germany, of, too, but... Yeah, but, but like, how, how do you, you get, get one? And right? where do you get them? Because they're not as prevalent as they are on this side of the pond. <laughs> is there a thriving black market in Germany? There must be. I'm sure there's at least a black market, he but how does Am- he get connected no, to sorry, it? sorry, that's a different country. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say he he went to Amsterdam. Stop. <laughs> no. Pit stop in Amsterdam, because they're known for their gun bars. That's what they're known <laughs> oh, for. Oh, yeah, definitely. People uh, people pass out on the hillside with yeah. guns next to them. <laughs> <laughs> Having done too much guns. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, that's too many shots. That's oh, too many shots. Uh, <laughs> all right, we both had our puns. <laughs> Uh, far more troubling, says Sai, the boxing. That seemed like a gratuitous tick off someone's bucket list. A Nothing bit, yeah. is ever by accident in this universe, and every single scene serves a purpose, but I have no faith in this one, and it would be a screaming anomaly if it doesn't somehow pan out. I really hope I'm wrong. They've earned our trust for sure, but that just seems so out of place. I don't know. Howard's a weird guy. I'm willing to let it slide because we don't know a ton about Howard and this is all his thing. I I don't know. It is. It does feel a little bit uh, left fieldy. It felt a little bit left fieldy when it came up in the episode when we were watching it the first time. Yeah. Because I don't, we have no reason to think, we have plenty of reason to think that Howard probably does work out or at least run or uh-huh. something. But I never would have thought like boxing would be his thing. Yeah. And obviously this didn't solve anything for anybody. It was literally just quote Howard hitting back against yeah, Jimmy. Literally. In a literal sense before he does it in a legal sense, perhaps. Well, we've confused another listener as well. Oh no. Dom F. Uh says I love your work on cover covering Better Call Saul. Many enlightening thoughts each week from the show and how it connects to Breaking Bad. I really enjoy it. But your nonchalant reference to existence, a 23-year-old movie that I watched one night, <laughs> actually morning, 2 a.m., on HBO 20 years ago, is what motivated me to send this email. How the hell did you two stumble on this bizarre movie? Maybe we're, we're maybe the only people, uh, only three people that have actually watched this movie. Five. Aaron <laughs> yes. and Cecily. Cecily introduced it to us. Yeah. Uh, bless her. She is the queen of... All things weird and horror. Yes. And exposing us to it collectively. If if people are wondering what this is, it's a... Watch it before you read anything about it. You'll probably have more fun. Yeah, I would say it's a... Um, it's a Cronenberg movie about virtual reality. Let's and, just say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's just say that. And that's not going to prepare you at all. I mean, anybody who knows anything about Cronenberg... <laughs> Well, it'll prepare you have an idea of what they're in for, but it's very disturbing in a lot of ways. I, yeah, it's funny. I I have seen a lot of monster movies and gross movies, all kinds of things. I have a pretty strong stomach for that stuff, but even I was squirming during different parts of that episode. I guess it it rushed up against my own queasinesses. 
I do recommend it. And I, I wouldn't take the movie super seriously. No, but no, it is it's gross and fun. Maybe and enjoy, maybe partake in some of the devil's lettuce before you start it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> or the devil's dandruff. Choose or, your, it, do you it, choose your poison? Sure. I don't know. I prefer lettuce personally. Same here. A vegetarian. All right, Maria from Upstate New York says, I had some questions. Well, number one, do you think Jimmy will find out Lalo isn't dead firsthand, or will Kim and Mike be the ones to tell him? Uh, I think it'd be much more dramatic if it's firsthand. It would, and it would put some tension in that relationship, too, because mm-hmm. then Kim might have to admit that she already knew and yeah. had been withholding that information because she doesn't think he's strong enough. Like, how honest will she be with him, like, as right. to her... There are reasons for not doing it. Mm-hmm. That could be pretty dramatically interesting. Um, certainly more interesting than them telling him, I think. I think so, too. And second question here. The whole fight with Jimmy versus Howie Ham was great, <laughs> but I have a bad feeling if Jimmy continues shenanigans against Howie, uh, do you feel that Jimmy will continue with this and Kim's whole shenanigans, sorry, with his and Kim's whole shenanigans, or will he feel the need to let up a bit because of this confrontation that happened? No way, man. I think they are going to hell in a handbasket. I think we are full speed ahead to doom. Yeah, Jimmy's in a weird place. Has been all season. Has been during the last half or the last chunk of the last season, too. But every time I've seen Jimmy feel like someone got the best of him, he digs in. Yeah. And he punches back. Not literally like Howard, but he (laughs) will, I I think, get more involved in scamming Howard. Yeah. If he feels even a little bit, like, it's even a little bit justified, he'll use that. He has been kind of, he's been so in control of his own path for so long. Yeah. And in this season, we are seeing a different side of that. He is much less in control. But we do know that it has to swerve back to Saul Goodman, right? It has it to. It does. At some point, before we get to the end of this series, he's I think. He's in the driver's seat again. Yeah. His own, yeah he's got to grab his, his destiny. Uh, By the and then, mm-hmm. Yeah, pilot it to the halls of justice, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's got to be yeah. the path. So, we'll see. All right, David says, I was becoming a little disturbed about Kim's plan to destroy Howard. It didn't seem in keeping with her original character. I felt like it was particularly unkind. Chuck was a villain in most of that, that uh, most of the show, and Howard comes across as a sort of innocent, which I agree with. But his assumption that the stitch-up was all Jimmy or Saul rather than Kim is a bit sexist. He's very 80s. And the reminder that it was Jimmy who uncovered the Sandpiper case might have brought me around. Uh, and frankly, they do need to be getting on with it as they have elderly clients to whom 30% won't make that much difference, but time makes a lot of difference. Uh, I do f- still feel a bit of sympathy for him. I'm sad to say Kim's a goner, by the way. It feels like they're building up to that. Uh, Kim and Jimmy are a classic, tragic couple. P.S. Lalo is such a scumbag, but I love him. <laughs> also a goner. Yeah, I think Lalo's almost certainly dead. Um I've always felt this for Howard. I have always felt like Howard got a raw deal because mm-hmm. he was trying to, he was stuck between a, a rock and a kind place. He was stuck between Chuck, who was this asshole to his brother for their entire lives, maybe for good reasons, maybe for terrible reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Howard 
was stuck with him, right? It's his partner in a business. He can't really buck him too much. Right. And certainly not for this mailroom kid who's like, he. Res- I, but I think he respects him and mm-hmm. he would have given him more a chance than Chuck did. But I've always felt that Howard Hamlin has gotten a raw deal from Jimmy. From Jimmy, for sure. Absolutely. I do. I, I think I have said this a few times, but earlier in the series... Howard was a little bit more dickish to Kim. A little, a little bit, bit yeah. of a little bit of sexism there for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. But that said, doesn't really deserve. Doesn't feel like he deserves the shit that's about to fall on him. No, this ultimate takedown. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I don't know. This, this is the Howard Hamlin that they are taking down as a monster they have built up in their own heads. I think so, yeah. And the real Howard Hamlin is nothing like this. There might be a crumb of, of what they're mm-hmm. fighting in that man, but... He mostly just looks like a douchebag. Yeah. But he's... Yeah. In his and heart, he's, he's at least he's trying. He's kind of fake and, and like... Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't deserve to be smashed with bowling balls and have your <laughs> reputation and career ruined. Probably not. Probably not. No. <laughs> People should be able to dress how they want. Right? Even if it is ridiculous. And speak how they want, even if it is ridiculous. The way he speaks really was very off-putting to me. Oh, yeah. When I was first watching Better Call Saul, it it's made me dislike controlled. him. It's Yeah, it's too controlled. It's It feels fake just because yeah. it's so controlled when actually he's probably just measuring his words very carefully. Oh, yeah. Because he's a pro lawyer. No, he's, he's very good at what he does. It's just what he does is a little off-putting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is true of Jimmy, too, right? Like, both of those guys sure. are just different sides of the same coin in some ways only one that you probably want to have a beer with though absolutely i might take a 16 year mccallum though from the other one all right yeah anyway i like it norm writes in says what are the chances the verner's verner's wife (laughs) (laughs) wife, just go with it just go with it verner's wife is alive is alive alive? (laughs) uh if lala went in the night before Oh, okay. So you're saying if when she invited him in, he went in, mm. would she still be alive? I'm guessing the odds are around one percent. She's not dead. Uh, what, what do you think about that? You think she gets him to come in and she's dead? It depends on how how hard he's trying to cover his tracks in Germany. Yeah, but also he's Lalo and he's prone to acting out. Yeah, so he I don't know. Goes and and I don't know. Probably just shoots her and then burns the house to the ground, I assume. Uh-huh. With travel wire. Yeah, of course. That is kind of his MO. Yeah. Uh, and that private eye pretty much gives Mr. Ward's survival chances a similar percentage. The detective is going to piece something together and make it so Howard has to get offed. More guilt on the conscience for Jimmy to repress. Hmm. Hmm. You think Howard could die before this is over? Oh, I hadn't considered that. I guess. I mean, if he's going at Jimmy and Lalo finds or, you know, we talked about like some of the links between this PI and the cartel and Gus and all the different people following all the other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. He's he's certainly mixed up in more than he realizes. I yeah, I could definitely I feel like I could see a scenario in which he got caught in the crossfire, whether literally or figuratively. Mm -hmm. I could believe it. All right, Anil writes in and says, did you notice that in the episode when Kim wakes up, it's 3.17 And that upside down is lie. 
<laughs> you beat him to it. Yes, I read about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, but I didn't either. He he attached a photo to it, and yes, sure enough, three one seven upside down. Put it on your calculator. Watches right now. Eight zero zero eight five. Eight zero zero seven three five five. Sorry. Oh right, five five three seven eight zero zero eight. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> okay. I had to do a little mind palace thing there, seven, but we seven, got there. 7734. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at this. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, Scotty, we're going to start a lawyer boxing match just like they did in the episode. Because Scotty right. writes in to say, I am not disagreeing with the other lawyers <laughs> who've written in, but, but. Saul's more exposed than they've suggested. There are two things happening. One is the attorney-client privilege, and the other is Saul's progressional obligations. As to the privilege, the writer who commented on the crime-fraud exception is correct, and that the privilege does not apply if the attorney services are based of used, or sorry, being used to further a crime or fraud. Note that the lawyer doesn't doesn't need to know about the nefarious intent for this to break the privilege. It's the client's privilege, and the client forfeits it by using the attorney services to commit a crime or fraud. Um, so they wouldn't even have to know. Hmm. It's related, but not the same, as Saul's professional obligations as an officer of the court. He knew his client was Salamanca, not de Guzman, and he misrepresented it to the court. If they can prove he knew, not only is his knowledge of Lalo's real identity not privileged, but he's probably going to get disbarred as a repeat ethics violator. Contrary to popular, popular beliefs, lawyers can't lie to courts. Uh, all right, so we're throwing out that out there um, just uh, as a big old hand grenade to the other two lawyers who wrote in last time. Uh, and I want to save all this law stuff for the end because I know some people are not super keen on it. I'm interested though. And we have Doug L, uh, who is one of our resident lawyers here, um, long time resident Doug lawyer. L. Yep. Uh, writes in as the final email says just a few minor observations on this week's episode. We see Aaron and Howard speaking to the Sandpiper residents about the status of their lawsuit, and they're concerned about why things are taking so long. The lawsuit was filed sometime in season one in approximately summer 2002, according to online wikis about the show's timeline. Assuming those sources are reliable, this week's episode takes place in approximately June 2004. In my experience, two years is not abnormally long for a lawsuit to still be going on, especially a class action lawsuit. It is, however, fairly deep into the process for Aaron to be explaining basic concepts like discovery, which should have been well underway two years in. Further, Howard mentions that they are pushing for their first mediation session. It's difficult to tell if this is an abnormal, uh, if this is abnormal or not this far into the case. Class actions tend to go a lot slower than individual cases. So while often mediations would have happened sooner than this, I can't say that what is going on with Sam Piper is outside the norm, at least not without knowing the kinds of details about the case the show hasn't and likely won't get into. Still, this supports my earlier thoughts that the case is old enough that settlement or trial cannot be too far off in the distance. It still does not make sense for Jimmy and Kim to take the risks they are taking if all they have to do is wait for the case to end, especially since there is no indication that they are desperate for cash. Most likely, the Sam Piper settlement or trial is no more than 12 months away. Perhaps their true end goal is something other than Hamlin's humiliation or the settlement, but we'll have to wait and see. I also wanted to note that one of the residents points out that they're concerned they will literally die before they see the money from the case. Mm -hmm. In California, where I practice, there is a mechanism whereby a person can ask a court to move up a trial date 
where there is concern that the plaintiff won't live long enough to have their day in court. I do not know, however, if New Mexico has a similar provision, and if so, how it would apply in a class action context. If you have any questions, as always, I'm happy to look into it. All the best. Thanks, Doug Al. Uh, yeah, so we get to learn a little bit more about timelines um, on this case, and you know, I this is definitely something that the writers think about mm-hmm. when they do this stuff. So I'm sure they have consulted with other lawyers as well um, to try and figure out, okay, whereabouts would we be on this case, right. given how much time we know has passed. I'll say for my part, the two-year uh, time span didn't feel huge to me yeah. either for especially again for a class action yep. lawsuit because so many people are, people are involved yeah yeah there's just I'm so sure much information to have to pour discovery through discovery process takes forever with something like that because yeah. there are probably reams and reams of stuff to look through and, and half of it was pieced together by two idiot brothers in the dark <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> yeah I forgot about that half that would be shredded <laughs> yeah. and reassembled yes nice uh, yeah, so that's it for the feedback this week. Again, thank you to everybody who sent in messages. We will, of course, be back for what I assume is going to be the Walt and Jesse mm. and Howard takedown episode. I don't know how those things are going to come together. but And Howard takedown all in one mm-hmm. episode? Oh, yeah. dang. I mean, wow. not total takedown, but like something More big, moving progress. the ball on that thing. Yeah. And they have been moving the ball on it. I don't want to say they haven't. No, but they were like, ugh. it's like when you're playing golf and your shit lands super close to the hole mm-hmm. and you go to hit it again but it ends up four inches away from the hole and you're yeah. like son of a bitch god damn it mm-hmm. I'm never playing golf again <laughs> that was almost how I felt <laughs> this yeah. week's episode so I'm very ready I'm very ready for the ball to go in the hole me too so hopefully all balls and all holes next week um, but yeah we'll be back for another podcast then And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. See you. Bye.